I'm Lena. I'm Mia. I'm Mijani. I'm Mira. And I am August. And welcome to the Youth Climate Chat. This is the place where young, dynamic, and vibrant people come together to have discussions about climate change and the world around us. We're young, we're here, and we're going to change the world. So today we're going to talk about extreme weather and climate change, specifically environmental justice. Environmental justice emerged as a concept in the United States in the early 1980s. The term has two distinct uses with the more common usage describing a social movement that focuses on the fair distribution of environmental benefits and burdens. The other use is an interdisciplinary body of social science literature that includes theories of, env of environmental justice, environmental laws, and their implementations on environmental policy, planning, and governance for the development and sustainability of political ecology. So that is essentially uh, a wrap of what we'll be talking about today. I will transition to talking about the overview of how natural disasters affect our lives today. Like August said, natural disasters are a very important effect of climate change, as climate change increases them in both intensity and amount. Back in February, there was an important Texas winter storm that occurred that affected 4 million people that lost power after the storm. And two weeks after, 400,000 were still without clean water. This historic winter storm brought single-digit temperatures in, into a state that, bar that barely has such temperatures in February. And the Texas power grid crippled as a result. This storm is a startling reminder that natural disasters like this can happen anywhere, even in a state that invests very heavily in infrastructure like Texas. Yes, Johnny, thank you for describing an overview of what happened in Texas, because actually, if you consider the poverty line for a Black and Hispanic families, they're more than twice as likely to live below it, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. And I think something that's so interesting is the intersection between environmental justice, natural disasters, and its impacts on minorities and other target groups as well, which we'll go into a little bit further within the podcast. So something that I wanted to mention is that First of all, in general, African-American and Latine communities are unfairly impacted by natural disasters in contrast to other groups. So these are specific groups that we are talking about and that we'll continue to talk about within our conversation. So for example, in terms of access to healthcare and insurance for a lot of marginalized communities, they're lacking availability of these resources. And I know, again, going back to Texas, as Ajani said, there was a lack of access to different amounts of power and expensive generators, which other communities within the Texas area was able to procure. And I know that Mia will start talking about the energy crisis and who needs to be centered within these communities. So I'm going to pass it off to her. Thank you, Mia. Yeah, I just wanted to mention specifically what Ajani spoke to a bit earlier and how the electrical grid was highly impacted during the storm. And I think it's very important to consider who took the hardest brunt and the hardest hit within that um, within that impact. So when we are discussing this topic, we think of low-income Black, Indigenous, POC folks who are in the most vulnerable positions within Texas, especially within this, um, within this disaster. So as the storm hit, who was most impacted by not having access to 
resources, as Mira mentioned, but also not having adequate um, electricity that, you know, takes shape, take shape in different forms, right? So in heat, um, in water, et cetera. So um, when we are having this conversation, again, just to reiterate, it's very important to center low-income Black, Indigenous, POC within this discourse. Oh, and that reminds me, Mia, that actually our Department of the Interior representative now is Deb Halland, who is an Indigenous woman. And I think that's just so important to mention, especially now. And interestingly enough, it segues into our next section on women and how women are affected by natural disasters. Yeah, thank you. So another group that is also being unfairly impacted by the effects of climate change, specifically to natural disasters, is women. Um, according to the Global Fund for Women, women and children account for more than 75% of displaced persons following natural disasters, and they're also more likely to die. According to early reports from Pakistan, more women than men were killed in the October 2005 earthquake, and half as many half as many as half the dead may be children. Women also do not receive the necessary health care following the effects of um, natural disasters. Many miscarry or deliver um, children under extremely unsanitary conditions. And they, are often, they often lack access to contraception and other necessary supplies. Additionally, according to the Global Fund for Women, um, they state that government compensation for loss often completely excludes women in societies where only males are recognized as heads of households. So, for example, in, Sri Lankan, in the Sri Lankan government, they only offer 5,000 rupees, which is equivalent to around $49 to families affected by the tsunami. But in the regional capital of the eastern coastal area, authorities only recognized male-headed households, so women whose husbands had died couldn't claim the money. Um, but this issue of climate-related um, climate natural disasters is far beyond just women. There are also other groups of other communities like the LGBTQ community that also face similar oppression and other issues. I think it's so interesting, Lena, how you mention other parts of the world, because it's, it's really important that we don't just focus on what's happening here at home, but we realize that this crisis is happening all across the world. It is affecting everyone disproportionately. We really need to appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for offering that insight, Ajani. Um, I'm actually just thinking about this past week. I, I, I was lucky enough to have Professor Dr. Dr. Dana Francisco Miranda joined my class, um, who's a philosophy professor at the University of Massachusetts, Boston. Um, and he gave us a, he led a discussion on a specific case study that occurred in St. Vincent the last few weeks. Um, you might've heard of it, La Soufre, I might, butcher this pronunciation, um, La Soufre eruption. It's a very famous volcano in St. Vincent um, and it erupted. And the most impacted communities on the island were Black Carib communities, um, three specifically that we talked about within our discussion, which was Fancy, Sandy Bay, and Oia. So regionally they were situated away from the central, you know, central resources on the island. Um, so less concern from local government. 
in cases of disaster. And I think also when, when, we're, when we're talking about this, when we're discussing disasters such as natural disasters, also COVID, COVID-19, um, it's very important that we frame them as happening at the same time as conjectural crises um, that are historically and presently situated, historically in the sense where these communities are facing um, high vulnerability because of historic legacies that, of course, are occurring in present day. So I think this is a great place to mention that although these things like earthquakes, tsunamis, and volcano eruptions aren't necessarily climate-related natural disasters, they show the deep inequalities rooted in the system and rooted in society that Mia and Lena are so eloquently talking about. So thank you for bringing that up. Speaking of historic legacies, if you don't mind me jumping in, I think as we look at specific anecdotes of how environmental justice plays a role and who is most affected by uh, in environmental injustice, it's also important that we look at it at a macro scale and we look at the background of how this came to be. You know, usually if you do, you know, thorough research, you'll find out that environmental injustice to people of color and women and LGBTQ communities, as, as we've been talking about, this is an aftermath of historical uh, occurrences, as we just alluded there, you know, the establishment of slavery is a precursor, you know, to a more recent discriminatory policies of social, political, and economic inequalities. You know, you start at redlining, you know, you start at, you know, policies that were set for housing, but then 10, 20, 30 years later, we're still looking at the aftermath of these policies whereby people of color, uh, uh, people who are part of the LGBTQ community, women, et cetera, are still negatively impacted. So environmental injustice is like the third layer. It's like a repercussion of all these initial policies that were already in place. So it's really important that, you know, we track back to the background and the macro scale as how we came to this conversation here and now. So after this really insightful conversations where we talked about number one, how people of color were affected. Number two, how women specifically were affected. We looked at anecdotes in Texas and in St. Vincent, where really, if you hone in on this issue, it's not just uh, an isolating incidence, but it's a global one. So Earth Day, it's a great opportunity for us to look back on the past year to see how we've treated our planet and you know, in some ways, find ways to celebrate all the actions of youth organizers, grassroots organizers across the globe. But Earth Day is also every day. We should make sure that we're thinking about sustainability and taking action on climate change all of the time. So with that in mind, what are some things that you can do right now to get involved? Well, first of all, it's always a great idea to get some experience first. Zero Hour and Generation Earth are two great youth-led movements giving activists training and real-world experience. There's also the New York-based Climate Museum, which, you, which is a great place to volunteer at to provide interactive and fun climate education. But if you want to take your activism a step further, you can, you can volunteer at the Sunrise Movement, which takes political action on climate issues. Most of these organizations have online volunteering opportunities right now. 
So no matter where you are, you can put your voice out there and make an impact on the world today. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Youth Climate Chat at the Human Impacts Institute. Join us next month where we will be talking about the Asian American and Pacific Islander communities and how they intersect, engage, and are impacted by environmental justice. This is going to be a fun topic. Do not miss out. See you then.